Boeing spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know Zyrtons, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. Hello and welcome to the 107th annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. Uh, Enjoying a nice, long, treacherous week of work. How about you? Yeah, um, I'm doing pretty well. We got Mother's Day coming up, so going to do some grilling for that, hopefully. Going to be a yeah. good weekend. What do you uh, What do you plan on grilling? Uh, we're just doing burgers, brats, that kind of stuff. We're just making sure that like my mom doesn't have to do any of the, the grilling or the cleaning. So there you go. That's kind of a, the important part. That's a good son right there. I, I, I'm going to be as surprised as my mom is what we're having for dinner, so there's that. Uh <laughs> <laughs> the uh but yeah let's talk about something that was a kind of fun last week the uh NFL draft film where is the city of Phoenix amped are they amped up about the Cardinals successful draft um well we picked up uh, a linebacker in the first round I'm actually more hyped for I believe it's Purdue's wide receiver that we picked up Rondell Moore I'm more hyped for him. He's wide receiver. Really mm. good one out of Purdue. So now I know, I know, I know you're a big Hawkeyes fan. So you're probably going to be asking me about Nate Staley and if he's going to make it another year with the Minnesota Vikings, right? Yeah. And if he's going to be throwing it to <laughs> you guys' latest pickup, uh, a wide receiver by the name of Smith Marset, one of the best we've had in years. So is he that good? Yeah. You got to be a little bit worried about him because during the last game, the last play that he played for the Hawkeyes, he actually, while running into the end zone, he did a front flip and he slipped on the ground on the landing. He totally botched it and fucked up his knee. So you guys have that to worry about. So hopefully he's all healed up now. You know what? Sometimes uh, this is an important lesson, kids. Sometimes showboating, you know, maybe it's not worth it. Yeah, just uh, a little celebration. Just be humble. You know, that front flip probably costed him a few rounds in the draft and probably a couple million dollars. So, yeah. What was he? Fifth round? Sixth round? He was like a fifth rounder. He was projected, I think, before that, maybe a third or fourth. So it's not huge money that he lost out on, but still money's money, especially if your NFL career is only a couple seasons long, then, you know, quite a bit of money put on the table. So I have two quick things and we'll get in the episode here. First thing is my favorite. I think the Vikings did pretty good. Uh, I like that quarterback they drafted. Somebody dug up a tweet from him from like fucking five or six years ago that says Minnesota sucks or I would never want to live in Minnesota or something like that. And then people are all upset about it. I'm like, motherfuckers, you guys say this shit all the time. You're like, it's such a miserable steak is so cold. And then this dude from Texas or wherever he's from fucking says the same thing. And then we're all butthurt about it. Like, come on, guys. 
But uh, come on, everybody, you know Minnesota sucks. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> you live there. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, why are you getting upset about this? And the other guy is, I God, I think he's like the sixth round pick, maybe. Uh, <clears throat> some people have been calling him like baby Aaron Donald or something. And it was really uh, kind of unique because he was like bawling his eyes out on the phone when he got the call. And then I saw some pictures of him. That mm. is an imposing man. Holy shit. I don't know if he's juicing or what, but he is a big boy. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you got called up, if you really, if you make it down to the sixth round, you might think that you're not going at all. So right. it's one of those deals where the ball's in his court now. He's got to make it happen. But like, I mean, to be drafted, that's like that kid's dream is to get drafted and it fucking happened for him. So you always like to see that. You hate to see like, the dudes who are all kind of like pompous and, oh, yeah, of course you're calling me, you know. Yeah, the uh, my fa- there was one guy who like the cameras filmed it like he just blew off his family and just went to the stage. But apparently they just like he knew he was about to be drafted and he hugged them all and then he went out. But it looked yeah. like he blew off his family. <laughs> <laughs> that show is kind of funny. My, uh, uh, oh, I was going to say really quick. My favorite reactions are when like. The, the the dad's proud, the the guy who just got drafted's happy, and the mom is just fucking ecstatic. And then the girlfriend's got that look on her face like she wants to go buy something. That's like, <laughs> it's always, it's the whole family, you know, like they get the, the whole family in there, but it's just crazy. Like, I love like, I, it's such a like the feel good moments are like what makes it, you know, fun. Yeah. It's actually kind of boring if you don't get that kind of stuff in there. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, the final thing here, I one of the dudes I saw coming on stage, like he obviously he knew he's going to be a first round or whatever, yep. but he had a chain on. I would have guessed that thing was like thirty thousand dollars. I'm like, dude, I don't know if you should be burning that money before you <laughs> even get drafted, man. I don't know. Doesn't seem like a smart financial de- decision, but uh, who am I to say? I'll probably never be a millionaire, but. Uh, Anyway, Phil. Yeah. Should we should we get in this? That's all happy talk, and now I think you're going to bring us a lot of uh, disturbing talk. The 19th century, mostly defined by the Industrial Revolution, the rise of the steam engine, and an end to slavery, also went down in history as the bookend for Spanish rule in the New World, with the old world European power and all of its colonial governments overseas finally ceding what control they still wielded over their foreign subjects, making way for self-rule by their former colonists and dominion over themselves and their own lands and affairs. Mm, The rise of the steam engine. I wish we never got rid of them, Phil. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of steampunk kids hanging out in Starbucks (laughs) that would really love those things again. So, Yeah, goddamn you, Bioshock. Why did you make that game? (laughs) Yeah. However, with autonomy also came a power vacuum and in many of these newly formed states the moneyed elite and military strongmen often secured total political dominance over its people and lands securing the power and treasures of the nations for themselves after the beginnings of the fall of the french colonial system and the spanish empire in the western hemisphere this political domination became prevalent all over latin america and the caribbean which saw the rise of many dictatorships in the late 19th century and early 20th century, including 
Santa Ana in Mexico, Bautista in Cuba, and on the island of Hispaniola with the tiny nation of Dominican Republic and the man that we're going to talk about today. Ooh, I see. I thought you were going with Florida first, but okay, these are <laughs> a little bit different than Florida. I got to be honest, though. I I don't think I've ever heard of uh, Hispaniola. How do you say that? Hispaniola? Yeah, I don't oh, think... it's. Oh, I was going to say, it's the island that uh, the two countries of Haiti and the Dominican Republic is on. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. A lot of yeah. uh a lot of good baseball players in the Dominican Republic. Yes. Yep. The the whole Carib Caribbean is uh pretty big with baseball. So mm. we actually talked about that on an episode before. Did we? With the uh with the Cubans and the fact that we knew that the Russians were in Cuban because they were building all of those soccer fields. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah. With the, uh, it was the nuclear disaster one. Yeah, it was a long yeah, time I remember that now. Yeah. As it turns out, the Caribbean was home to many brutal dictatorships during the 20th century, struggling to maintain political control over their island from not only political rivals at home, but also from enemy island nations and especially the threats from foreign powers whom attempted to influence and perhaps even take control over those fledgling island nations. And that is the topic for today's episode, the second part in my series on brutal dictatorships throughout history. Today we will talk about Rafael Trujillo and his domination over the Dominican Republic. Okay, look, with a few changes of words in what you just said, Phil, you basically describe Sandals Resorts how it is right now. Yes, with all of the uh, the surf labor that they well, utilize. I'm going to say Caribbean islands, they've conquered it. They've brought in their shit. They've taken, I don't know who's bigger, sandals or beaches, but mm. one of those bastards, you know, they have a control there. I, you know what I heard recently, and I don't know if you've heard this before, that Disney owns an island. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. That's uh, terrifying. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt if they owned an island and just had, you know, all kinds of brutal fucking work practices on that island. You know, why Why are we so afraid of, like, Elon Musk, Bezos, Bill Gates? Honestly, we should be afraid of fucking Disney. Yeah, it's. I think it's their squeaky clean image. It's mm. this image that they keep perpetuating. You, you think of Disney and you think of, like, wholesome family movies. You don't think of, like, the media giant, the empire. You know, you never think about that. You think about like The Lion King and Little Mermaid and mm -hmm. all of these like heartwarming movies you remember watching as a kid. You don't think of, you know, just the, the power that they wield on maybe, everyone. Maybe the secret of those movies is Disney is the bad guy in all of them. True. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> never thought about it. The funny thing is, we know all these other CEOs of these like mega companies. Who the hell is the CEO of Disney? Like, I can't name him off the top of my head. I've probably never even heard his name. It's probably a fucking robot, to be honest with you. Goddamn reptilian. Hopefully <laughs> it's not the same model as Jeff Bezos, that robot. <laughs> We'd all be in fucking trouble. Nah, that, the Disney one has hair, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, and a much smaller head. Mm. Much more human-like. Mm -hmm. Now, getting into a little bit, this is going to be quite a bit, but uh, there's a very long history. The history of the island of Hispaniola. Basically, the island was inhabited by the Tanyos indigenous peoples during the 
pre-Columbian era or the pre-Columbian conquest. Uh, the island would be home to the first European settlement also uh, taking place in the New World after the party, led by Christopher Columbus, set up a small village of settlers on the island. This was actually from the first landing spot of that expedition. Now, this fortified position named Navidad was set up because the largest ship in the fleet, the Santa Maria, had actually run aground. And Columbus had ordered a small number of his men to wait until he had arrived uh, the next year with more settlers. So on Columbus's journey to North America, he, he kind of made a little pit stop here. This is actually, he didn't actually go to North America. Like everyone thinks that he landed in like where the United States is. He actually landed in the Caribbean on this island. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Actually, it's kind of interesting. I was reading that they were saying this settlement, the fortified position, was actually made from the remains of the boat, the Santa Maria. <laughs> so I don't know if that's true or not. I only read it in one of the articles. Yeah. So it was just kind of interesting. I thought because there's that, you know, that song, the Nina, the Pinta and the Santa Maria, whatever it is. Mm. Well, yeah. we can credit him as being the original repurposer then. Yeah, using a lot of that old that, repurposed wood. <laughs> eat that uh, chip and what the fuck? I can't remember the chip and Joanna. You remember the Home Improvement Show? Oh yeah, they wish I, they were half as good as Christopher Columbus. Yeah, uh, making shit out of barn doors basically. <laughs> That's a lot. A lot of what they do. You know those those hipsters would love a little bit of that ship in their house. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, fuck a five hundred year old ship yeah. might not hold up very well, but. <laughs> Now, when Columbus had actually returned to the island, all of the settlers that he left behind at Navidad were dead, and the encampment was completely destroyed. Uh, presumably, this was done by the native peoples of the island. Okay, did he not leave any food for them? Well, he he kind of left them just to hang out. It's not really, like, obviously it's Caribbean island. It's not going to get cold. So as long as they can go hunt their own food trade find their own stuff the thing is he really he didn't think that the tanyos people on the island and he's actually written this in his journal um like his journals from what he was said about these people is kind of famous he basically said like they're the nicest people he's ever met like they have no like if you trade with them they'll just give you everything they have like they're so welcoming and so nice so i don't think he actually thought that they would kill the his people in the encampment well, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I'm still, I was envisioning like kind of you taking care of your army friend's cats. Like Columbus <sighs> just filled a bowl full of food and then just took off and be like, okay, you'll be, you'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be good for like five days, yeah. right? Yeah, I'll, you'll be all right, right? Let me get this straight. Let me make this straight, though. It was one of those, like, you know, those big bowls that you like put like a huge thing of popcorn in. Yeah, it was one of those. It was like it was a gigantic <laughs> yeah. thing of and there was always food left over when I got. Yeah. It, yeah. So. No, no. I'm just saying, like, he just left a few bowls of food for him and then just took off. Me. Like, All right, guys, I'll be back. <laughs> well, he should have left that cat with someone like he shouldn't have just left it at home. He should no. have had it stay. He deployed for months without. Mm -hmm. That yeah. poor cat. Yeah, it was so I know. lonely. I know. It's sad. Yeah. But the sad thing was when I would go like when I go to the house and try to like, you know, pet it or hang out with it, it just absolutely didn't want to see anyone. So not only was it like crazy alone, it just didn't want to see anyone. 
So yeah, just like a any old uh, regular hermit. Yeah, exactly. I would I would be the same way. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's nice to see you get the fuck out. You know. <laughs> now with the thirteen hundred settlers Columbus brought back with him, he decided to travel east along the coast, getting away from the old sediment and founding the settlements of La Isabella in 1494 and Nuevo Isabella in 1496. Now, though, Nuevo Isabella would later be destroyed by a hurricane and would be actually rebuilt on the opposite side of the Ozama River. And this would become known as Santa Domingo de Guzman, later just shortened to Santo Domingo. Uh, Have you ever heard of that? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Okay, Santo Domingo is the capital of the country of Dominican Republic. Uh, It's actually the oldest continuously inhabited European settlement in the Americas. It was also home to the first university, cathedral, castle, monastery, and fortress in the New World, and was also the original seat of power for the entire colonial Spanish in the Americas. Jeez, I can't believe it's older than Pittsburgh, Phil. That's crazy, yeah. man. Older and cleaner, but it's not <laughs> a high bar to, you know, <laughs> with all the whores and I, the drug addicts. I mean, it, it was cleaner back back in the 1500s. Yeah, I'm guessing it just always was a cesspool. Like, <laughs> even before anyone lived there, it was just kind of this weird place that was just smelly mud. They always had the Steelers, though, even in the 1500s. Yeah. Even in the 1500s, they just had, yeah, I could imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Now, as for the Tanyos people who inhabited the islands conquered by the Spanish, forced labor and murder would lead to a sharp decline in the indigenous people's birth rates on the islands and led the Spanish to begin importing African slaves to their colonial lands in 1501. Uh, This really began the importation of African men and women uh, starting actually in 1503. The Tanyos people who were not already killed or worked to death by the Spanish, would eventually succumb to the diseases brought to the island by the settlers, with about 90% of the remaining indigenous people dying from the 1518 smallpox epidemic. And by 1548, only about 500 Tanyos remained on the island, with their culture being mostly extinct today. God, that is so fucked up. Holy yeah. shit. You know... There were... Oh, I was going to say, is... I mean, for in that short amount of time, that was 50 years. And they went from like thousands and thousands of people down to almost none. Wow. God damn, that's fucked up, man. Oh, you know, it's I I was talking about smallpox on my uh, latest Bumblebutt episode. You know, they that then which is 100 years. No, this is 200. No, sorry. 300 years. Uh, mm-hmm. Since this time, that that version of smallpox had a one in three death rate. So I wonder how bad that one was. Well, you have to think, though, that was when it encountered European descent people. These were native peoples who had absolutely no immunity to anything. Mm. Their, like, their genetics had never seen smallpox before. So when they got hit with smallpox, it was, you know, just... Like a fu- like a fucking garage fire. It was just hell because like their bodies hadn't seen these European Asian diseases. You know, Europe, Asia, Africa, 
had all been kind of like the Americas have been quarantined from all of those diseases. And then all of a sudden the Europeans brought them over in bulk. So, right. Yeah, uh, man, it's fucked up. Definitely. Now, during the landing of Columbus, the island's tiny population was estimated to be about 750,000 people. Uh, and there's also estimations that it possibly was as low as like 30 to 50,000 also. So the Tanyo people are believed to have first settled out the island in about the 1200s or the 13th century AD. Okay. All right. You know what I've noticed we when we talk about ancient history, like their estimations of population densities aren't always that great. <laughs> you know, yeah, from like this of- time period, whatever. Yeah, it's kind of hard, especially when you go back. uh, If you look at Greek history, a lot of the things written by some of those old Greek orators were mostly they were they were kind of like history fiction. They were kind of pumped up because they were it was almost like they were going to do a like a live show and they wanted to liven it up a little bit. So instead of the Persians having like 200,000 people, they have like over a million people, you know, huge, huge numbers. Yeah, 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 I could see that. Yeah, I wonder if like where they're getting these numbers really from, because I did see there was a there was more saying that there was about like 750,000 people. There was only one that I found that said there was maybe less than 50,000 when they first got there. Mm. Hmm. But oh, but also the Tanyo people, they were also spread out throughout the Caribbean. So they're not just on this island. Yeah, there's there's many, many like many different islands that inhabited by the Tanyo people. Gotcha. Okay. After Spain set their focus on the mainland, South America, really just interest in the Caribbean islands began to decline, along with the settlement of Europeans on the island of Hispaniola. Now, this led many foreign pirates to begin stopping at and setting up shop and pirate bases on the island. Uh, Now, rather than fight them, the king of Spain at the time, King Philip III, and that's no relation to me, no. uh, in 1606, ordered all colonists to move closer to the largest city, Santa Domingo, on the eastern half of the island. Uh, this really cleared the way for foreign settlers to set up their own settlements on the western half of the island, which would eventually be ceded to the French in 1697. Uh, this was the Treaty of Ryswick. Uh, this was after King Louis Fourteenth officially recognized the settlement in 1665, and they named it San Domingue. In 1791, after the onset of the French Revolution, slaves and some free Africans on the island began to revolt, and this really led to an insurrection that lasted for about three years until the rebels on the island made peace with the French to take on their European enemies. I'm I'm paraphrasing all of this history. There's a shit ton of history here, so... It's it's honestly we could do a whole episode on the Haitian Revolution, but it's big history. But in 1802, Napoleon reimposed or tried to reimpose slavery on the French-owned islands and attempted to retake control of the island of Hispaniola, but he actually failed miserably, and this led to the 1804 independence of Haiti. This ended the Haitian Revolutionary War, and Haiti at that time became the second free state in the Western Hemisphere. Now, the name Haiti was actually taken from the Tanyo word from the island. Uh, that word was Aiti, and it, it means like mountainous island, like mountainous land. Gotcha. Okay. That is uh, that's fascinating, actually. 
crazy history there. I'm, I just want to ask, just so it's clear, so Spain kind of just gave it up to the French? Is that kind of what happened? Yeah, so here's the thing about Spain. So Spain was really into silver, and they founded a well they didn't found they didn't find it the natives told them where it was but the mine potosi was basically a mountain made out of silver so all of their focus was on south america and extracting gold and silver from the mainland so they kind of forgot about these little islands out here and then when pirates started rampaging you know through the the island of hispaniola basically all around the caribbean they kind of didn't really want to fight them as much on land as they did trying to get them from raiding their ships. Those, uh, those pirates were making their living, basically capturing Spanish galleons and taking all of that silver, all of those pieces of eight. So gotcha. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. So that's how the colony of St. Dominic, San Dominic for the Spanish became San Domingue for the French. It split up into two. Uh, eventually, I'm going to talk about it a tiny bit. Uh, the French would take over the island completely. Then it would be kind of given back and forth. So it's a, it's kind of a weird history. I'm just going to blow through it, though. So Gotcha. Okay. Well, my other thing was, and I know everybody out there, we get it. Napoleon's not actually short. But in my head, I'm envisioning a giant ship showing up and this tiny little man showing up being like, all right, surrender or whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like a literal, I'm trying to think of like a little porky pig man showing well, up like four foot tall. I don't remember if on. you ever saw the show Jack of All Trades with Bruce Campbell. Uh, little of it. On that TV show, Napoleon was played by Vern Schroyer of, uh, <laughs> what was that movie? Fucking Austin Powers yeah, fame. Yep. Mini he me. was mini me from Austin Powers. Mm -hmm. Rest in was peace, it, brother. Was, yeah, he was a uh, he was awesome actor. Uh, was his name Vern Troyer? What was? Yeah, I think that was what it something is. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh. Yeah. Rest in peace, brother. Uh, I think he was it drugs that got him or alcohol. One of the two. I think it was. Yeah, I don't know. I know that he uh, he was hilarious on that show. Just uh, his mannerisms, pretending like he was Napoleon. It was great. <laughs> Now, after the Haitian independence movement, the remainder of the island would declare its independence as the Republic of Spanish Haiti in 1821. However, they would fall under the control of the more populated and more powerful Haitian state in 1822 and would remain under Haitian control until fighting the Haitians in the Dominican War of Independence, which eventually ended in 1844. Now, the two nations would continue hostilities for many decades. So this was a fight between Haiti and the Republic of Spanish Haiti. Yes. Am I hearing that right? Yeah. So at the time, Spanish Haiti, which would eventually become Dominican Republic, basically Haiti had a shit ton more people because the French had imported so much slave labor to Haiti and the Spanish really didn't pay any attention to their colony uh, to the east. So Haiti had a lot more people than the future Dominican Republican had. Gotcha. Okay. You know what? I just want to dig a side note here, and this is completely off the subject, but uh, one of our listeners, uh, uh, Pia, you know, she is from Mexico, and mm -hmm. 
she always refers to the Spanish as the conquerors. So I'm getting the the feeling they don't like the Spanish very much. Yeah, we're actually recording this on Cinco de Mayo. Oh, so. there we go. Yeah. Hell yeah, go eat your tacos and margaritas and whatever else Americans do on that day. Yeah. Over the next 20 years, the Dominican Republic went through a great amount of turmoil, being taken over by a military junta in 1944. Now, two of the first leaders of the junta were ousted from office from two separate coup d'etats in that first year, with most subsequent presidents holding office for less than a year on average. This was before either resigning or being ousted from office. After attempts to self-annex into the United States, the Dominican Republic would choose to be a colony of Spain once again. This was because of their massive debts and the threat of invasion by their neighbors, the Haitians. Mm. Jesus, these leaders of the country were resigning faster than uh, the CEOs at Best Buy when was working there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it kind of—I was gonna say—it kind of reminded me of this episode of Futurama where they end up going to this desert world, and there's these people that are made out of water, and the mm. kings of these—the kings of these uh, these civilizations—keep getting drank by other people by the people who take over for them. So you'll see like just a row of portraits. It'll be like, oh yeah, this guy got killed by that guy. He got killed by that guy and just down the line. Yeah, I remember that episode. I remember that episode now. But uh, but yeah, back in, uh, was it like 07, 08, 09? Man, those Best Buy CEOs, when the company was hurting, they were just in and out, in and out, in and out. Yep, revolving door. They mm. could they, they're just like fucking uh, quarterbacks for the Cleveland Browns. They grab that signing bonus, then they're fucking out of there. <laughs> Not anymore, though. They got nah. the, they got their dudes. So. They got wait, sub deep approved Baker Mayfield. He adamantly believes in UFOs. So hell yeah, Baker. Yeah, go get them. Way better than Kirk Cousins. Absolutely. So after <laughs> after regaining their independence again in 1865 the Dominican Republic would experience a massive intake of foreign debt. This was brought on by an iron-fisted dictator named Ulysses Herahu. I probably said that wrong, <laughs> but it kind of looks like one of those uh, French Creole words from uh, from New Orleans. Yeah. like with an, with an X on the end? I'm not sure how to say too it. Too many vowels. Way too many vowels. Uh, he had been taking out loans to not only pay off the interest on old debt, but also to try to innovate the country and, of course, enrich himself. Yeah, he sounds like a car. It, honestly, if this is modern time, he'd be a car dealership guy. Oh, definitely. Yeah, be a shysty uh, lemon <laughs> lot guy. <laughs> Here, uh, whatever is Ulysses Chevrolet, that's what you'd be seeing everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it would have uh, the one nice car in the showroom mm. and then just a fucking yard of shit boxes <laughs> out <laughs> in the parking lots. I'm just going to call this guy actually Ulysses. So yeah. Ulysses ruled the Dominican Republic for nearly 17 years. Uh, this was between the years 1882 to 1899 uh, before being actually assassinated by tobacco, by tobacco merchants after he had caused massive inflation by printing 5 million pesos, basically with nothing behind those pesos. Mm. And it really ruined all of the 
businesses and merchants on the island because it killed the money. Well, this is an important lesson, guys. You got to remember how dangerous Philip Morris is. Do not fuck with him. Oh, yeah, definitely. They will kill you. Yeah, he was actually trying to get like a loan from these tobacco merchants before they killed him. That's the the funny (laughs) thing. (laughs) Now, the dictatorship brought on a great deal of stability to the country. It actually really became a very prosperous time for the Dominican Republic. However, when Ulysses died in office, the national debt had ballooned to $35 million. That was many times more than the country's GDP. Jesus, okay. Fucking the uh, Dominican version of Evander Holyfield. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, $35 million doesn't, doesn't sound like a lot of money like for a country right now, but you got to be thinking how much did the United States buy like Alaska for? It was only a small amount compared to $35 million. So we got the entire country of Alaska for how much debt they were in. So <laughs> that's I mean, a lot. And what year is this? This was, uh, he, he left office. I left office. He was fucking killed in 1899. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, it's quite a bit. Yep. Actually, big things were happening in the Caribbean. There was uh, the Spanish-American War of 1898 had just, you know, was just finishing up. So we were just taking over Puerto Rico and, uh, yeah, doing all Cuba and everything like that. Mm, Interesting. Yep. After his death, American and European lenders would really just try to take uh, action to get payment from the debts owed to them. Eventually, really, the United States would take over the Dominican Republic at different times. This was just kind of in order to stabilize the nation. They even actually became a protectorate of the United States for a short time. Now, in order to keep European powers out of the Western Hemisphere, Theodore Roosevelt would add to the Monroe Doctrine. This was called the Roosevelt Coralie. This basically meant the United States would be responsible for keeping Latin American countries paying their debts to foreign powers and keeping Europeans out of, you know, coming to get these debts. Interesting. Well, I guess the, uh, you know, America always collects their debts or whatever, I guess it's kind of uh, always been going on, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's really, we don't really think about it uh, like for back then. You think of it more like militarily, like, oh, it's this state versus this state. Really, a lot of it was who owes what money to who. You know, who owes how much to this country, this this country to this country. Um, I mean, wars were expensive. And for these countries, just keeping yourself free was expensive as hell. So. Right. Well, I think they've officially got payment back with uh, sending in their mercenaries known as Beaches and Sandals Resorts, Phil. Oh, yeah. Everybody's. <laughs> They're sleeper yeah. agents. Yeah. Corporate they make sleeper money off, <laughs> they, they make money off of their fucking $9 cocktails and. Uh, uh, yeah, we make money off of sending fat old people to their islands, so it's yeah. all good. Hey, let's not discriminate. It's literally anybody because when they go, anybody travels this way, it's like they, I've never met anybody who doesn't take an all-inclusive stay out somewhere. I don't know if it's necessarily beaches or sandals, but it's something yeah. like that. I'm not really the cruise type. I'm more of the get there type person. I'm not really the, your vacation is the trip, so never mm. really got into that. Mm. Now, after years of American intervention on the island, a second great dictator would take control of the Dominican Republic, 
and really just bring kind of the stability that the country hadn't seen in decades. Now, this was when in 1930, Rafael Leonidas Trio Molina, commander of the Guardia Nacional Dominicana, made a deal with the rebel leader, Rafael Estrella Urena, who offered to let the commander of the army, Trullo, to run for president after the coup d'etat that Rafael Estrella wanted to commit over the democratically elected president, Horatio Vasquez. Take that, liberals. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> now, this was as long as Tr Commander Trujillo would stand aside and allow the rebels to take over the country. Uh, Trujillo accepted, and he kept his soldiers in the barracks during the attack. So this forced Horatio Vasquez to flee the country. Now, Trujillo actually used the army to intimidate possible election opponents, and he won that popular vote during that election by 95%. Uh, he was sworn in as president in May 1930. Damn, he did them uh, Putin tactics here, didn't he? Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> 95%. He was running up unopposed, but anyone who wanted to run, he ran them off, intimidated, you know, just he was in control of basically the entire military of the country at the time. Yeah. So he was commander in chief. Yeah. I look, I know we call the president commander in chief, but I don't know if I really want like a legitimate army or military general running the country, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, we haven't really had very many, not, well, not since Eisenhower, uh, people who were military first men who were president. Most of our leaders are, you know, businessmen, lawyers, senators, those types. Who is the general who got caught sleeping with a reporter? Ooh, that was... Uh, Petraeus. Petraeus, yeah. Yeah, imagine him having a coop and taking over the country. <laughs> having a coop. <laughs> having a coup and, uh, yeah, making it happen. There was actually a plan to have a coup d'etat against, I think it was FDR during the Great Depression. Well, I mean, there was like a hillbilly one, you know, six months ago or not even that long ago. Yeah. Yeah, they were... Uh, yeah, a little less organized, <laughs> you know, well, you could say that, you know, but they, uh, yeah, it was uh, a bunch of veterans from World War One who actually were kind of like worked up into a frenzy by this really charismatic figure. I forgot what his name is, but he tried to make a coup d'etat and uh, take over the country like a military style. A mm. lot of these veterans were also pissed off because they weren't getting their retirement, which don't fuck with veterans retirements or, you know. Yeah, they get they get pissy. So yeah, yeah, very very angry if you fuck with their benefits. <laughs> now, born October eighteen ninety one, Rafael Trillo was one of eleven children of his middle class parents. Uh, he would actually receive education. I'm going to talk about his education a little bit. The problem is he had a historian rewrite his own history and the history of his family, so it's a little inconsistent. Mm. Uh, yeah, what uh, what histories? I've I've got histories saying one thing and histories saying another. So I'm gonna kind of like run through it really quick. Now his education in one of the histories came from various homes in his neighborhoods from the neighborhood villagers. Uh, basically, 
he was being taught like homeschool just with different people's parents teaching him. Okay. All right. Now, what is supposedly the rewritten history was that he went to a real school and that he was a pupil of the lawyer slash philosopher slash independence advocate, uh, kind of this legendary uh, historical figure named Angio Maria de Hostas. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of really almost like saying that in ancient Greece, you were taught by Aristotle, kind of one of those deals. Gotcha. So you, can, you can imagine like why he trumped it up. That gotcha. Way. Is he, is this a guy, the like creator of hostess dessert <laughs> cakes or no? Yes, exactly. He was a <laughs> lawyer, philosopher, and a creator of very cheap mm. sweets. So cupcakes. <laughs> Chirillo would take a job initially as a telegraph operator at the age of 16, but he actually did lose that position three years later after he had joined a gang and began his short-lived life of crime. Uh, he was supposedly involved in cattle rustling, postal robbery, and eventually he would be arrested for check forgery. Uh, this would cause him to spend several months in prison. I mean, those seems like seems like a natural progression from telegraph operator to cattle rustler. I mean, yes. I would assume anybody would do that in those positions. Yeah, this makes me think that maybe he didn't go to an excellent school with becoming the pupil of a, you know, historical figure like uh, Hostos. So thinking that maybe the first uh, the first education might have been the, yeah, the real more one. in line so. with what he actually did. Yeah. Yeah. I so mean, after. Oh, I was going to say really quick too, just throwing this in there after he got out of prison, he would actually kind of upgrade in the criminal life and start his own gang and become like a, a boss of his gang a little bit. But yeah. okay. Well, I was going to say like the rewriting history, uh, very dictatorish activity. Yes, definitely. Uh, really. I mean, even now for presidents, like all these presidents and everyone who is running for president seems like they're they you know they're going to run for president when they come out with a book talking about like their history. You so. know, you know what's ironic about that? Um, on my YouTube feed, I don't even know why it keeps popping up, but uh, old Ben Shapiro's promoting his horseshit ass book. Oh yeah, yeah, something about destroying libs or something. It's so stupid. I can't even. It, it's so stupid. About bathing in lib tears. Yeah. Pretty much. <sighs> All right. Now, after that's enough of him. Yeah. So, <laughs> after marrying his first wife, Amita Ledesima, in 1916, Trillo would leave the life of crime behind him for good. Uh, he would become a weigher at a sugar plantation, though he quickly showed leadership and eventually worked himself up to the position of plantation policeman. And this is kind of a, a theme for him. He starts off at a lowly position and then just works his way up really quick. So this career would be short-lived as he would decide to join the military. Uh, like I mentioned before, the United States had taken over Dominican Republic at many times. Uh, he would be trained by the United States Marines as an officer. They were occupying the Dominican Republic and really he would rise through the ranks of the constabulary guard that was the police of the Dominican Republic very quickly. 
Uh, he would advance from a lowly lieutenant in 1919 to the second in command of the Constabulary Guard in 1924, eventually becoming a general and commander in chief of the National Army in 1927. So, what I gathered from what you just said, um, first off, all I could think about was along the watchtowers when you're saying he's been training with the Marines, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. That always comes to my mind, that goddamn song. Anyway, number two, I'm assuming he's not actually that great at any of his positions. He's got his nose or head so far up someone's ass that he just kind of like weasels his way. That seems like the quick, quick promotion guys in my experience. Yeah, he, I mean, I'm, I'm not exactly sure like what tactics he's using Mm. to be, I mean, it was, it was back in the past. Like now you couldn't be a Lieutenant and then in eight years become a fucking commander in chief general. So this was obviously in a, you know, another country's army, the military in this country is very, very small. You got to remember that too. So right. if you show any kind of gumption or ability, you're going to jump up the ranks pretty quick. Gotcha. So he was like a, he was a standout though. Really just a, like a fast burner up those ranks. Gotcha. I'm guessing that he also like manipulated people pretty well. Yeah, that so. was, uh, that was my first guess. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely uses uh, a little bit of uh, whatever magic that some of these people who become dictators has. Uh, just uses that, you know, kind of like uh, we were talking about Idi Amin a few months ago. He kind of had that like personality. That right. You either loved him or feared the fuck out of him. This guy <laughs> kind of has the same thing. Gotcha. Yeah. He's just not as physically imposing. Now, after ousting the former president, Vasquez, Trillo would use his officer rank in the as general in the army to create a squad of secret police. Now, these men were meant to intimidate and torture supporters of his political rivals, garnering him that very high popular vote landslide win for presidency. This guy has a lot of parallels to Mr. Putin. Yes. Yeah. I mean, his ascent was much quicker than Putin. Putin was in the, in the KGB for years. But you also have to remember, KGB was huge. This military was small. So. Right, right. But I'm just saying, like, his tactics once he is the president. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah, he definitely, I mean, he was kind of a man before his time when it came to, like, these kind of tactics. So he takes over in the 20s. And we're going to see a lot of this throughout, like, Europe, even, like, fascist nations, communist, socialist, everything. So, hmm. Trullo would begin to build really just a cult around himself, really just kind of garnering support early on, right after his inauguration. There actually was an opportunity that struck that was very advantageous for him. Now, this came in the form of a devastating hurricane that ripped through the nation's capital of Santo Domingo, uh, just a few months after his inauguration, this left about 2,000 people dead. Now, Trillo would use this tragedy very much to his advantage, declaring martial law right away. This allowed him to completely clear the debris and rebuild the city in his own image. He did this over the next six years. Trullo would pay for this expense with special emergency taxes. Uh, He would even seize bank accounts of his opponents and opposition. Now, along with the renovations that he had made, he would also build hundreds of new statues of himself around the capital. 
when he did open the city finally, he changed the name from Santa Domingo to Ciudad Trujillo or Trujillo City. This was along with changing many of the street names and the monuments of the, to be really just dedicated to himself. Wow. You know what, honestly, this sounds like Bezos's wet dream, if we're being real here. Oh, definitely. Yeah, if Bezos somehow became like a governor of a state or like, a you know, the leader of a small banana republic, this is what he might do. Yeah, he would, he would, dude, he would do this so quick. Every yep. fucking street would be named after one of his warehouses or one of those collection machines. Like, I think the one in Cub Foods here is his name, like, Majestic or something like that. <laughs> probably so stupid. Probably one of his reptilian wives is named Majestic. <laughs> so, I'm guessing. It'd be a name. Oh, wait, with, is he? Sorry, he's an android, not a, not a reptilian. Yeah, he, he, yeah, I think he might just be controlled by the uh, reptilians, reptilians, but he's one of their most powerful androids. That's true. I keep forgetting that one. It's it's Satiro who's the uh, the reptilian. Oh yeah. All right. So Trujillo would maintain control of the presidency much the same way that he had won the election. This was through fear and intimidation, including forcing all adults to join the newly formed Dominican Party, named the Partido Dominicano. Also, he would imprison anyone who resisted joining this party. He really kept a lot of this power by also employing his own family members to key positions in the government. This was not only to solidify his uh, position, but it was also to stop any governmental checks or balances on his power. Yeah, you, I don't know, you can't be putting Uncle Lester's like the Secretary of State, dude. I just, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't sound like a great idea. Yeah, this is, I mean, it's, a keystone of all of these dictator assholes is nepotism. You always hear that his cousin is put into this position. His step, you know, his uh, brother-in-law is made the secretary general of the whatever, whatever, you know. You always hear this. Just even with uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes football team, Coach Kirk Ferentz has all of his kids always playing on the team. And he's got, you know, his kids coming back and coaching for the team. So, well, you know what? Uh, there's always nepotism everywhere. I don't know. I just, in my mind, it just reminded me of uh, a certain individual who started putting his uh, family members and his uh, son in law in power <laughs> in recent <laughs> years, who is a uh, known criminal. Yeah, definitely. So, Trujillo would also use his secret police and web of spies to intimidate, beat, rape, torture, expel, or kill his political rivals, dissenters, and many members of the press. Many of the perceived opposition that he would have killed actually would die in what really was just orchestrated attacks that were meant to look like an accident or a suicide. Jesus, that's fucked up. Yeah, that's serial killer shit. Yeah, like you absolutely. hear that shit on Small Town Murder, where they talk <laughs> about that. That's fucked up. That'd be like us sending a hit crew out because someone left us a negative review on iTunes. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes. I mean, sometimes we would never do that, obviously. But it's just like, God, this. Guy. You know what's funny about people like this guy? Mm. He probably has like the utmost confidence in himself and everything and yet has like the lowest self-esteem of anybody who criticizes him at all you know what i mean yes we have all met these human beings yeah who 
who are the type at the gym who just barely work out. They just stand in the mirror and stare at themselves. But if you challenge them a little bit, they, you know, just fucking wither to dust and just yeah. get all pissy. Yeah. 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 I know. That's a sad truth, isn't it? Definitely. Now, during his 30 year reign, Trujillo would take part in many public works projects, building schools, hospitals, and many, many other civic building projects. He would do this by really just always pocketing money for himself and his allies from the issuing of the contracts for these building projects, making his family, friends, and himself especially extremely wealthy. Now, Trujillo would also seize control of the country's main industries, agriculture and financial institutions, though really, I mean, on the one hand, it was a good thing. It did lead to large-scale growth of the economy. The problem is it mostly just benefited his supporters, and the benefits only really reached the capital city. Like, if you go out to the rural areas, there was none of like none of the good building projects, none of the none of the income from the great economy ever reached the poor mm. in the uh, in the outskirts. Not that I mean, not that much different than uh, 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 current day capitalism. A little bit there, Phil. Yeah, I mean, if you well, I mean, just look at like we were talking about internet connection. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, the you know, rich always kind of siphon life out of everybody else. And then when they take that initial wave, they want to siphon a little more out. Like, it's just, they want to siphon everything till, honestly, like, if you're Bezos, what do you even do with all that money? I, like, seriously. I was listening to a podcast today. They were talking about Jeff Bezos. They were talking about how he should basically just donate, like, a lot of money. You know, just to random people, just give some random person like a billion dollars. And one of the guys on the podcast was saying, it's not about like the money. It's about acquiring more money. So even if you just gave up money, it would be like just getting the next billion. That's all that's important. So, well, I, I almost wonder for him if it's not like now that he's achieved the richest person ever or whatever, like remaining there. You know what I mean? Like a weird flex in his head or something. I don't know. Staying on top of Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah, I don't... Elon's something else, too, but uh, that's uh, yeah. neither here nor there. We're talking about a uh, serial serial killer in charge of a country here. Yeah, definitely, definitely a megalomaniac. Just, you know, <laughs> this guy, not Elon Musk, so... Well, hopefully. come on, we let's be... They guy. all are. Yeah, oh, yeah, they're all egomaniacs, but yeah. Now, part of... This man's cult of personality really was ascribing nicknames for himself. Uh, this would include El Jefe, which means the boss, and El Chivo, which translates to the goat. Though I have to say, I'm not sure if Michael Jordan is going to or has ever made a documentary claiming that Trujillo wasn't shit. So. <laughs> and I took that personally. He said yeah. he was the goat dictator, and I took that personally. I could see Michael Jordan just taking over a small country just to prove that he's the goat at being a dictator, too. I don't think he meant the goat as in greatest of all time. I think he meant like his nickname was literally like a goat. Like yeah, goat. maybe they like view a goat as like some sort of badass animal or something. I don't That's what I would assume. Don't know. Yeah, like you're stubborn, like a goat. Yeah. Maybe. Well, Billy, it's just, if you're a Billy goat, you got horns, you're going to, you know, 
uh, what do they go? Gore something, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Headbutt something. Or you ram them. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's, it's, it's just funny because when I saw the nickname The Goat, I just immediately thought of Michael Jordan. So. Yeah. I, and Michael, Tom Brady is the goat, not you. Sorry. <laughs> now, as for Trujillo's treatment of the people, he did not like the fact that the Haitian Dominican Republic borders were not really that well defined. He believed that the Haitian immigrants were flooding into the Dominican Republic. He saw this as really a bad thing because he believed that it was darkening his people overall. Wow. So this is strictly a racist thing for him. Yes. Yeah, I believe so. It. I mean, it was the thing where he kind of talked out of both sides of his mouth, kind of like how, uh, what's that guy on Fox News? The guy who wears Sean the Sean Hannity. Not Sean Hannity, the uh, the bow tie guy. Tuck, Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson. He kind of always says racist as shit things, but he says it in a not very like overtly racist way. He kind of says it like dog whistle. That's what I'm coming up with. Ah. He, dog whistle type things. He yeah. always talks about like the Haitian immigrants, just not like that he doesn't want all of these like darker skinned people coming onto his, you know, his country. He says it's just Haitian immigrants. So. Mm, okay. Now, because of this hatred, Trujillo would publicly spread anti-Haitian immigrant sentiments. And in September and October of 1937, Trujillo ordered an attack on the Haitian immigrants who worked as laborers in the sugar plantations who had been living on the border in the north of the island. Uh, this would eventually become known as the Parsley Massacre. Holy shit, that's fucked up. Definitely. Yeah, the massacre earned the name the Parsley Massacre because the Dominican soldiers carried a small amount of parsley with them. And they would ask people who they suspected of being Haitian to pronounce the Spanish word for parsley, which was, I can't pronounce this, perihil, perigil, P-E-R-E-J-I-L. Now, hmm. those whose language was Haitian Creole, the Haitian people, found it very difficult, just like I did, to say it correctly. Uh, failing this test meant that they were in danger of being either killed, beaten, arrested, whatever, uh, hacked up even by the soldiers. God, that is, uh, that's dark. You know, there's a lot of words people could test me on, put my life on the line, and you know what, Phil, I'm going to be honest, I won't make it. You would have one of your Joeisms and just <laughs> yeah. mistakenly say it wrong. Oh, God. They would get me every goddamn time. Yeah. Well, I just screwed up Philosopher yeah, a while back. Yeah, that was pretty so. funny, yeah. Yeah. Now, the massacre came at a time when the economy was in a dramatic slump. This was, of course, because of the Great Depression. And Trujillo used Haitian immigrants as the scapegoat for his country's economic woes. Now... There's uh, a few different estimates, but somewhere between 9,000 and 20,000 men, women, and children were rounded up, beaten, tortured, and or hacked to death. Uh, this was just for being Haitian. Also, many darker-skinned Dominicans who happened to be living in the area were also caught up in the violence and found themselves purged along with the Haitian immigrants. God, that is just... It's so fucked up. They're just sitting there working doing whatever and then is this is it soldiers doing this for him or is this like his secret police or what yeah i think it's mostly his secret police he has like these special bands of 
his military who are going out and doing this. Mm. Uh, like I mentioned before, he has secret police going out and just taking out his political opponents, anyone who's against him and the Haitian immigrants. God, so at so, this time, so messed up. Definitely. Yeah. This would also happen during the great depression in the United States. Basically they were trying to keep uh, migrant laborers, the from Mexico out of the bread lines. That was what they claimed. The horrible thing besides that was they also rounded up a lot of Hispanic Americans living in America and in the United States uh, who they basically just shipped down to Mexico uh, without checking anything. They just assumed that they were immigrants and got them out of there. Wow. Jesus. Yeah. This fucked up. Also the time when they started making marijuana illegal too. <laughs> so that too. No. Now, though Trujillo was considered an ally to Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, when the scale of the purge was discovered, he forced the Dominican government to pay restitution to the families of the victims. This was about $500,000 in total, though most of the money never actually made it to its intended recipients in Haiti. That's, I mean, it's good that he tried to get him to do it, but I mean... You had to expect this guy wasn't going to actually pay him. Well, I'm not exactly sure if he didn't pay or if the Haitian government just kept the money. Ah, but okay. It's just the fact that the families never really received the money. Gotcha. So, okay. Who know? Who knows how much he paid? Who knows how much the Haitians kept? So right. One of those deals. Right. This really did. I mean, Haitian and Dominican Republic relations were sour to say the least before this but this pretty much killed relations yeah for I would, decades I would, and decades i would imagine now after the purge had ended the bodies of the slain were dumped in the massacre river which was actually named for a previous event when in 1728 spanish settlers killed 30 french pirates as i mentioned before the the island was rampant with pirates back then the river makes up the northern border between Haiti and the Dominican Republic. Mm, okay. I For a minute there, I was like, holy shit, they actually named it that because of the horrible shit he did, but uh, it's, it's actually from Pirates. Yeah, it's not the official name of it. It's just kind of like the nickname for the river. Mm. So if you look up the river on Google, it's it's not Massacre River, but that's like <laughs> the nickname. When you, when you look it up, you'll see that it's called Massacre River also. So. Well, if I was Druid, I'd be trying to hold a concert on Massacre River because it's pretty metal. <laughs> Definitely. I don't know if they have any cryptids down in uh, Dominican <laughs> Republic, but if they do, maybe they could uh, you know have a spot at base for them. Now, during the 1940s, opposition began to spring up against El Jefe, both from exiled Dominicans living abroad and at home, though the opposition was always just quickly put down. This was through various means that I've mentioned before, uh, intimidation, general violence, murder, arrest. Exiled resistance fighters based in communist Cuba actually planned an attack against Trujillo's government, though, in the 50s. Mm, so he, so from the sounds of it, he had a pretty good grip on anybody who could possibly be trying to come up against him. Oh, yes. I mean, he had his country locked down. Like I mentioned before, he had a pretty healthy 
web of uh, spies out there, kind of everyone listening in on their neighbors. He had secret police. During the attack against the Haitian immigrants, people in the area, there were some good people who were trying to hide Haitian immigrants and get them out of the area. There was also people in these towns and villages who were turning their neighbors in, the, mm. the Haitian people. So <sighs> it's uh, it's very tragic. Basically the same thing that happened like during, you know, when the Nazis would come to town. Yeah. That yeah. same kind of thing. Yeah. Now the exiled rebels, inspired by the communist uprising against the American-backed former ruler of Cuba, Batista, consisted of men and women who trained in Cuba to launch an attack by air and sea. They would form the Ejército de Liberación Nacional, or the National Liberation Army. These men and women would eventually choose the date for the attack, June 14th, 1959. Really, though, only the air raids ever actually made it on the date of the 14th, as the boats carrying the troops didn't actually launch until the 20th of that month. They really nearly didn't make it also because of inclement weather, but especially there was an alleged sabotage with basically the propeller being damaged. And a man by the name of Mason Acosta actually, because of his previous work on boats, was able to fix the damage and captained the boat. The boat was named the Carmen Elsa. Uh, the really bad thing was they kind of knew that they were coming. They were greeted by the Dominican Army, Coast Guard, and Air Force, and they destroyed the smaller force, capturing the ex expedition's leader, Mason Acosta. Gee, I'm... You know, now that we're hearing all this crazy shit that happened there, it's crazy to think that America was, like, helping them. Yeah, well, they were not communist. So right, okay. I'm, I'm going to talk about it in a couple minutes Okay, here, But okay. this is when America was really starting to flip against them. Gotcha, okay. All right, I'll keep listening. We'll all keep listening then, Phil. Yeah, so, I mean, basically... Fidel Castro had just taken over the Cuban island and they were really against him, but they were also becoming to be against this guy too. So gotcha. Okay. Mesa Acosta was sent to the worst prison on the island named the 40. This was for men, women, and teenagers that Trujillo most despised. Acosta would be electrocuted, castrated, and tortured before finally riding an electric chair to his death. Afterwards, Trujillo's men dismembered his body and displayed all of his parts for the Dominican people to see as a warning for any future traitors. Jesus. Holy shit, that is fucked up. Yeah. Like, I mean, I wanted to keep this podcast under like two hours. I could have went into detail on all of the shit that Trujillo did. He had a 30-year reign, and he was a iron-fisted dictator from the fucking shoot. So he had just, I mean, it's just like the worst stories over and over again, too. So. Ooh, this guy is a real piece of shit. Definitely. Yeah. Also, I mean, his secret police were not only killing people, they were raping women and children. They were you know, capturing, bringing him to this prison, murder, everything you can imagine. So it's just 30 years of all of this mm. kept under this iron grip. Mm. So this horrible. 
definitely. Actually, Mason Acosta really did come to hate Trujillo while he was the bodyguard of the dictator. Really why he got such terrible treatment in prison was because of this. They put a little extra shine on him just because he was a former ally. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So he was extra pissed. Yeah, he was extra pissed off at uh, this poor Mason Acosta. Gotcha. I should also say, too, I'm I'm not sure if I'm going to show it or not on the Instagram, if I can find it even. But supposedly the last picture of Mason Acosta alive is him being strapped to the electric chair. Hmm. That'd be an interesting picture to see. Yeah, I I I I did a little bit of a Google search, but I wasn't able to find it. So Mm. I might try to go deeper, like use some different, you know, phrases in there. So Mm. Now, the men and women who died in the assault on May 14th were made into heroes of the movement. This became known as Catorce de Junio, or 14th of June movement. In response, Trujillo would send out his secret police to arrest and imprison members of the movement, though he would eventually allow members of the movement who were female to be freed. Uh, this is there's different reasons for this. He kind of considered himself a champion of women. He actually gave women early voting rights before a lot of other Caribbean nations would do so. Of these women, the three Mirabal sisters would become martyrs for the cause. When after they returned to the prison that they had been released from to visit their husbands, Trujillo's henchmen, on his orders, set out to stop their car, captured the women killed the driver, and then abducted, beat, and clubbed, and strangled the women to death. There were three of them. What they did was, after that, they would place the women back inside of their vehicle, a jeep, and drive it off the side of a mountain. They were doing this to make it look like it was a car accident. That was kind of a signature. So he released them to prison from prison to make himself look better, but then tried to, like, secretly kill them? Yes, He released most of the females. Well, most of the female members of the movement, he released from prison. This was kind of like, yeah, to make himself look better, like he was a champion of women. But with these women, he had them taken out. They were, uh, one of the sisters was kind of like a leader of the cause. One of the main ones. Gotcha. Okay. Well, it's pretty hard to accept that he's the leader of a woman's cause (laughs) when his people are like raping him and shit. That's yeah i mean there's definitely like the public persona and then there's what actually people actually know of him yeah yeah and you gotta wonder too i mean back then how much news was actually getting out he had a firm grip on all of the media right right so if it didn't happen to someone you knew personally you might not have ever heard about any of this stuff that's that's true yeah but i mean with the killing of these three women the Maribel sisters, this became big news all over the island and the whole movement kind of centered around them after this. They were known as the Butterflies. Their names were Belgicia, Adela, Marable, Reyes, Maria, Argentina, Minerva, Marable, Reyes, and Antonia, Maria, Teresa, Marable, Reyes. Now, besides his own people, Trujillo also had powerful enemies abroad, one of which was Venezuelan president Ramula Betancourt, who Trujillo had attempted to assassinate on two separate occasions. 
the first time was in 1951. There was an attempt to kill Betancourt that took place in Havana, Cuba, when someone tried to stab him with a poison syringe. Now, that person would turn out to be the dictator Trujillo himself. Wow. Okay, so he must be taking some advice from the CIA during this time. <laughs> if you want to do something right, do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I only I only found this in one source, so I'm hoping, because it's the greatest part of this whole weird, <laughs> weird fucking horrible story, but it's so weird to think that the leader of a country, like what, dressed in a trench coat or something, actually tried to stab someone with a poison syringe. I have a it's feel- just so weird. I have a feeling... He he did try to kill him, but he probably made that shit up himself. That's just my impression. I don't know. That's why I mentioned that I only found it in one source because mm. it's so unbelievable. <laughs> so the second actually attempt on his life is well documented. Uh, this was actually a well-placed car bomb that Betancourt was involved in. Now, he was actually taking part in a parade in the capital city of his country the bomb actually blew up in a car that was part of his motorcade. It nearly killed him, though holy. he did survive. Bencourt did survive, but he was heavily injured. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, man. What a horrible way to die. Honestly, a car bomb. Fucking horrible. Yeah. Uh, What's that movie? God Casino. Damn. Casino. Mm. Casino. When he when he, when the bottom of his seat starts to light up and he jumps out of the car. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't imagine that. No. I mean, especially especially if it just you were just riding along and all of a sudden just blew the fuck up. Yeah. Well, I think the real story of the casino guy is the only reason he didn't die is like that particular year of a Cadillac put like a metal plate underneath this underneath the seat of the frame or something. And like that's literally the only reason he didn't die. Oh yeah, he mentions that in the movie, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, it's something okay. like yeah. that. Yeah. I love that movie. It's great. Now, these killings, along with the imprisonment of the Catorce de Junio movement and the failed assassination attempt on President Betancourt of Venezuela, would eventually force the United States to completely turn on Trujillo. They would ship arms and munitions to the rebels who were actually willing to take out the dictator. And unlike the bad luck that followed the attempts on Castro's life, the many, many, many attempts on Castro's life, on May 30th, 1961, Trujillo's car was gunned down while on his way to meet his mistress. Over 30 bullets riddled the car. Trujillo would actually exit the car riddled with bullets himself. However, he would be subsequently shot twice and shoved inside of the trunk of the car. He would then be driven to just outside of the American embassy. I think about a block away. Mm, I mean... Probably too gentle of a death for what this guy uh, deserves, to be honest with you. But uh, I guess it's some justice, right? Yeah. I mean, it's amazing to think how many times the CIA tried to kill Castro. Uh, I'm honestly like you figured it out. Probably the CIA was the one who sent all of the guns and the, the you know, <laughs> yeah. the guns and munitions to the <laughs> to the rebel leaders. Uh, this was during the JFK administration. The problem is with JFK, he had just had the failed Bay of Pigs coup d'etat attempt, and he did actually try to tell the rebels not to do this, but they went ahead and did it anyway because the CIA had already dropped off the guns. So, <laughs> we are in motion already, Miss JFK. We got to do it. Yeah, sorry. We're locked and loaded here. 
we got a green light. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, it's one of those things. They had a spy inside the garage where Trujillo's car was kept, and they knew he would be leaving at this time to go pick up his girlfriend. You know, so they had to do it. They right. uh, they gunned him down. Mm. They used some really high caliber uh, weapons too, basically, mm. to get through his cars, uh, cars doors, and everything. Gotcha. Now the fallen dictator's son, Ramphis, one of the uh, the nepotism hires that he had, would actually take his father's place as dictator for a very short amount of time. He made a promise to kill the assassins who were responsible for the shootout death of his father, and he was mostly successful killing most of them. Uh, really, only leaving one assassin behind before he himself was exiled from the country. Wow. Okay. Why wouldn't these assassins, like, get out of there? There was still a tight grip on the country by mm. the army. I assume that they were trying to get the fuck out of there. But it just goes to show you, like, back in the 60s, you would think on an island like that, you would be able to escape. But he had such a tight lid on things that his son was able to have them found and killed. So Jesus, it's fucked up. Well, man, this guy is a uh, a real... Real piece of shit. That's all you can say. He, I, I don't know. Was he worse than Idi Amin? I don't know. But he is, uh, it's pretty fucking bad. Yeah. Obviously, both situations would be a terrible country to live in. Um, there was, I would say, with Idi Amin, if you were part of certain groups, you were very much, you were very likely to be attacked by Idi Amin. In this country, it seems like anyone could get it at any time. And right. if you were a part of the Haitian immigrant population or just a darker-skinned Dominican, you were definitely going to meet some ire at some point in his 30-year career. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oof. God, that is uh, it's very racist on his part, Um, obviously. I mean, I guess Edie killed uh, the Indian people, right? Yes. Well, he exiled the South Asians. South like, Asian. Okay, yeah. A lot of people from South Asia. Uh, not just, but whatever. So uh, basically, he did actually go after different uh, tribal groups. Idiom in. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I was pretty sure he wiped out some div- subdivision or whatever that he didn't like uh, or whatever. The other tribes or whatnot. Yeah, the people who were basically burdundi burdundi mm-hmm. the uh, the king he killed his people so that was the one he went against but i was also just gonna finish this off with so dominican republic actually they went through kind of a really unstable period after this but then they kind of really just came out of it and they've had a decent economy since then uh basically since the 1970s Trujillo died in 1961 since the 70s they've actually had presidents who have been serving full terms and they've had a good economy uh compared to other countries in the Caribbean uh they've really come up since this whole situation so yeah i was going to say i mean you don't really hear anything bad about him i mean i assume it was uh Seems like a lot of people travel there and they think the country's beautiful and everything. So it sounds like with this very dark period with this asshole and they've kind of uh, blossomed into a uh, a much uh, pretty lovely country, I would assume. Yep. Just a just a beautiful flower that got, you know, risen out of shit, basically. So I mean, to be honest, that's a story with a lot of countries. Uh, 
Yeah. You know, I almost, I, I would assume almost every country known to man has had a pretty dark period in it. Oh, yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, Phil, that was uh, awesome. I think this is about, we're, a lot of people are going to hear about a guy. I'm going to go out on a limb and assume haven't heard of this. I've never even heard of this guy. I would have had no idea the Dominican and Haiti went through all this turmoil and shit because of this guy uh, and other forces, obviously, as well. But uh, yeah, I've never heard of this guy. So excellent job, Phil. Yeah, oh, thank you. Yeah, it was. Um, I was actually about a week ago looking through because I wanted to do the series part on the series of dictators. I wanted to do part two. I was looking through people. I was looking through people. I was going to do somebody else in South America. And then I scrolled over this guy and it was just a rundown of all of these different massacres and people he killed. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to tell this story. Yeah, this is the craziest, like craziest dictator I've ever seen outside of, you know, the big league guys. So well, the the good thing is your dictator series. Uh, there's plenty of assholes you can cover. So <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Phil. Uh, first off, let's thank our patrons. Thank you so much. You should all at the time of this recording, some of you might be receiving your gift. I don't know. I sent it out on like Tuesday morning, I believe. So uh, hopefully, you all be getting it. Phil knows what it is. We're not going to spoil anything because I want everybody to see it when they get it in the mail. Just know it's highly classified and you are receiving <laughs> a very, very, very secret document. And I hope you all enjoy it. Uh, I think they turned out really awesome. So you have to let us know. Take some pictures, post it on your social medias, do all that, tag us in it. We want to see them. Uh, otherwise, if you want to contact us, where can they do that, Phil? They're going to get a hold of us on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. It's always great to hear about, you know, like what kind of conspiracies you're all interested in or maybe something that you want us to cover. So keep those coming. They're awesome. Uh, you can also probably easier, much easier, get a hold of us on our Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Uh, you know, we're really appreciative of all of the likes and the shares and shout outs you guys give all the messages and comments too. Uh, Cody and I both have our own Instagram accounts. Mine is sdpodphil. Uh, Cody, you got one? Yeah. Follow my personal Instagram at Cody's above. Uh, post Mimi sometimes, whatever. Uh, it's, it's good. Give me a follow. I'll usually follow you back. Uh, the last thing we need you guys to do is to log on to iTunes and leave the show five-star review if you haven't already. Uh, type whatever you want in there. doesn't matter. Uh, just as long as it's five stars, nice or mean, whatever your heart, what write whatever your heart tells you. The other thing is if you are a Spotify user, all you got to do is hit that follow button and it boosts us up the charts, helps us reach more people, and helps us spread the truth. Otherwise, uh, excellent episode, Phil. I think this is going to be a real banger, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. 